Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show. And it's about letting the workplace speak. In each show, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the physical landscape of work. How? Through visual devices. Why? So we can work with greater focus, precision, higher safety, pace, so that our company can make really good profits, profit margins, increasingly so, and so we can enjoy ourselves along the way, so we can enjoy ourselves at work, doing our work, and we do it right, and we do it well, and we do it completely and safely. The visual workplace, what a magnificent partner in our operational process. It is a system. The visual workplace is a system of visual solutions. But more than that, it's a system of systems. Like the highway system is a system of many subsystems. Your visual workplace is a system of many subsystems of these point solutions that are put together into a coherent, connected process of of information sharing. It's the language of information sharing, not just single devices strung together, not just letters, but words, a language, and sentences, shapes, meaning, the conveyance of meaningful, relevant, timely information that influences, shapes, directs, and limits, that expresses. Hmm? This is the logic of your performance built into the physical landscape of work, and you've put it there. We want to let the workplace speak, because if it doesn't speak, it's just mute objects that get in our way. But if we give them a voice, then they can help us. They are willing partners. They are part of the solution. So that's what we talk about in this show. And today, which we call, which I call Confessions of a Sight, a Visual Sight Examiner, a visual sight assessor, that's me. I'm going to make a confession today. I'm going to confess to you how I conduct a visual sight assessment. And I've done many over the last several months. Oh, my God, I've done 10 or 12. They're so interesting, so interesting, assessing a company's current level of visuality. So I'm going to tell you how I do it. It should be interesting. I have only uh, a couple of announcements. One, I'm going to be in Australia the month of November, and um, doing uh, my first, my very first master class for folks who are pretty far advanced in visual or in their improvement um, journey and they already know about visual because we've met before. And we're going to do a master class and assess a particular plant or host plant and go through the layers of how do you see these levels that I'm t- going to be talking to you about today. How do you see? How do you calibrate? How do you decide what to do and what to do first and what to do next? How do you approach the plant so it stays open and willing to change on a a level of language? 
So that'll be going on in Australia as well. I've been invited to keynote at Gary's Kerr National uh, Conference. He's going to be focusing on um, culture this year. This is going to be in Melbourne. And I'm also doing a a workshop and a site of us. I beg your pardon, a site is assessment at Wilson Transformer, a company that I know from a different site in Albury, Wodonga, that's in Australia as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then hopefully as December comes around and, and Christmas, uh, I can dig into my new book. I think I've told you excitedly that I found a title for it. It's on visual leadership and it's called, ta-da-ta-ta, The Eye of the Leader. Is that great? The eye of the leader. That means not the visual eye, although, of course, there's a second meaning, but the individuality, the sovereignty, the uniqueness of leaders. The eye of the leader, the principles and practices of visual leadership. It's going to be a great book. I'm so excited about it. And, of course, whenever I get ready to write a new book, I'm always picking up data this way and that. I seem to... um, see it everywhere. Have you, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to New York and we used to count the yellow cabs because there were so few of them in Long Branch, New Jersey. And we'd go to New York and all we would see, we wouldn't, it was yellow cabs. We wouldn't see the Empire State Building. We would see yellow cabs. My brother and I used to compete on who could come up with the largest number, hundreds and hundreds and going into thousands because that's all New York is. If you look at it that way, and it's that way when I write a book, everything is about leadership now and about making it visual, giving it structure. So I'm very happy to be talking to you um, today. As I said, over the past several months, I've done a series of very interesting visual side assessments, or I should really say I've done a series of side assessments, and they are all, as usual, very, very interesting. That's when a company will invite me to come in to check or assess their current level of workplace visuality and to tell them what I think should happen, could happen next. Maybe there'll be, maybe I did six, seven, or ten of them over these last several months. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm going to share that with you today so that you know what I think about when I say what are the considerations. Excuse me, I need to cough. Pardon, I don't think it's gone away. So you know what I look at when I say, what are the considerations? What are the factors? What do I look for? What do I make of what I see as I walk around? Because 90% 90 of what I see and know and assess is by walking around. And that's what today's show will be about. And I want to begin right now by saying, when I'm teaching people how to do this, We normally give them an instrument, and I'm happy to send you this instrument. Send us an email and ask us for um, the assessment instrument for the 10 doorways. Just write to radio at visualworkplace.com, or you can write to me directly, Gwendolyn, at visualworkplace.com. The 10 doorway assessment instrument. But what it is is the categories of visual function that we've been talking about since January or last November, a whole year that stack up to visual order, need to know, customer-driven visual order, need to share, visual standards, visual displays, visual metrics, visual problem-solving, visual leadership, 
visual controls, visual pull systems, and pokeyoke systems, visual guarantees. <clears throat> and folks will have this in hand, and they, we will be at a host plant, and with this kind of grid of uh, content, they will give scores. They might be resident in the plant, or they might be a visitor. If they're resident, they'll be able to see more closely what's going on there. But if they're a visitor, of course, they're going to be seeing the same production, the same operational floor, the same hospital with fresh eyes, which is very valuable, as you know. And they give it a score, score of 1 to 10, with 10 being high. If an event, uh, if a, a category visual function is not there, they'll give it a zero. But if they're not sure what that category means, for example, visual leadership, they'll give it a question mark, and that'll add up to a zero. And so the whole thing adds up to 100, and when you add up the score of how you rank those levels of visual function, and I named 10 of them, you'll get a score, 16, 23. You subtract it from 100, and the score you get left is the extent to which you are, vi are not yet visual. So you might get a 16, a 16 on how visual are you now, but that would mean that you were 84% not yet visual by your own estimation. And I do that in teaching people how to assess or how to know and make good decisions about what comes next in their visual journey as a, uh, as a way of training their eyesight. Because as I'll be talking about a lot today, the assessment process is both what you do see and what you don't see. And so that begins to train the eye, what you do see and what you don't see. And there were three other pieces that we asked people to assess on. To what extent is an improvement structure in place? That's also can be a question mark. What the heck do you mean, Gwendolyn? Or it can be zero to 10 based on your own subjective opinion. Second of those three questions is, to what extent is the use of improvement time as a policy requirement in place in the plant? I spent one or two shows talking to you about improvement time back in, I think, January, February of this year, 2012. And then the third is, to what extent do you think the work culture is eye-driven, is powered by the eye, the individual, as we find in what do I need to know, what do I need to share? If it's your own plant, the next step becomes very interesting, and that is, of everything that you've checked, whether you've done strongly or not, which do you think are the four most important categories of visual function? And you circle those. And then especially if there's a group of people with you, you can begin to compare notes and see if there's a common understanding or a common misunderstanding. So this is a, an assessment instrument we use when we do um, an, our overview seminar, which is called Visual Workplace Visual Thinking, which introduces the 10 doorways. So people can begin to see the shop floor, the hospital, the bank, the office, not in terms of what kind of point solutions are in place, what kind of visual devices are in place, but rather, and more importantly, in my view, what categories of function are in place. Because function has to do with a wider range of performance than just a single solution. It has to do with capability 
with competency. And we want people to come to appreciate that. We really want to move people away from this idea of, wow, that's a really cool visual device. I'm going to give you 90% for how cool that is and another 10% for effort. We want to make it much more grounded in knowable content. So that's what we do to kind of get people ready to to think and begin to see this visual event as they're walking about. So they can assess. My own assessment approach is quite a bit more internal, but I have uh, my effort in this show is to surface it so that you can find it. And we're going to slide into a break now. And as soon as we come back, I'll tell you what I do and how I do it, how I do it. And I think that you'll find some pieces there that will be useful to you. At least that's my happy intention. So I'll see you in a moment. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am uh, just taking a little break right now. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. You're at the Visual Workplace. And today we are walking through confessions of a visual sight assessor. Who is me? I'm going to tell you all of my dark secrets about how I can how I assess. In the first part, of, in our first segment, the one we just walked through, I was telling you how I helped to get people started in thinking a different way about what they see and how they see and what's there and what's not there. And I'm going to resume some of that, but in a different way 
in the rest of the show. Right now, I'm going to tell you first how I get ready. So a company will call and ask me to drop by. Could you do a visual assessment of our site? They'll ask. And I say, yes, I'd love to. It takes about a half a day. And usually the company will have me conduct a visual thinking seminar while I'm on site. We usually, I come in for the site assessment first thing in the morning, 6, 7 o'clock. And we start the seminar at noon and then we complete it the second day. And that way that gives people time to absorb. And the learning is much, much better than trying to stuff it all into a single day. It's like stuffing the Christmas turkey at some point. There's just no room left. (laughs) But if you give people the evening off after half a day, the afternoon of a seminar, they come back pretty fresh and interested. So the site assessment, I will say, is a good way to kick off a local discussion on the question, would more visuality help us? I should say first, to what extent are we visual? Would more visuality help us? How would it help us? How much is already in place? Is it usable as a base? What category or categories of visual function does our current application represent? Hmm? Let's ask Gwenny. So I get the call, we schedule, I show up. The plant has no prep to do except please have a map of the facility that I can have in hand. In fact, I prefer for them not to do any prep. I really want them to just be at ease with who they are. There's nothing they can do at any rate except to worry about what I may think. And I want them to just be at ease that we're going to have a discussion about this. And I usually ask for an escort. One person is enough. Two is okay. I avoid at all costs an entourage. However, sometimes an entourage is waiting, and I will say more about that in a moment. So I let the company know that I would like an opening presentation from them, and then I'll walk the operations. And somewhere along the way, I'll want to look at their metrics, and I'll, I, I want to hear about their current improvement approach. How do they get improvement going? How do they keep it going? Do they have an improvement office or an infrastructure? Do they have in-house trainers? How do they transfer knowledge? What have they done in the past? Has it been successful? How do, how do they know? And I'll ask for an overview of that as well. I want to see their training materials and their improvement plan if there is one. There often is not. Not a worry. It's just a data point. And I arrive 7, 7.30. I'm nicely greeted at the front. I sign in. I have my steel toes with me. If I'm in a factory, safety glasses, earplugs, and we begin. And usually the site manager is in the greeting party, and he or she does the overview. And I make a special point in asking about threats. What are the threats to the market? What are the threats to the revenue? What are the challenges, strategic concerns? And how does he or she see that visuality could help? Sometimes there is a cogent response, something that is coherent and makes sense, And obviously, um, people have prepared in their minds for their thinking about visuality. Sometimes they've read uh, some of my books or listened to podcasts such as this show or uh, been to one of my seminars. And I begin to gauge the ranking side executive's thinking, how he or she conceptualizes 
his or her role and the role of visuality and the wider role of improvement. I want to hear the logic and I want to hear the firmness of belief that the site can rise to the threats. I want to know whether there is or is not a plan and why if there is not. And I want to know the context for systematic improvement if there is a context. So whatever happens, these are what I try to pull into the conversation. And all the while while I'm having this conversation, my the truth about my internal state is this. I am doing myself my, my best to keep myself calm. I am in, in reality chomping at the bit. I want to go to the floor, be it a hospital, a bank, an open pit mine, a retail store, a factory. It's all revealed at Gemba, isn't it? We know that. I want to go to the floor and I want that first moment at the threshold. When I'm standing there about to enter the plant for the first time and I want to see what I can see. I want to sense what I can sense. I want to find something or I want to realize that I can find nothing. This first moment when I'm at the threshold. And I do what's called a 180. I do a 180. I scan from left to right slowly and then left to right to left to see what I can see to see what I can tell merely by looking the great visual principle principle one to tell merely by looking and then if I'm if the plant is more advanced I will be able to tell the difference merely by looking principle number two principle one to tell by looking principle two to tell the difference merely by looking. This for me is my no man's land. This is my adventure. This is my frontier. Each and every plant. This is the first movement. The hand moves. The first movement in space. Just standing there. I don't want to be dragged into the plant. I don't want to be looking at the the newest asset. I just want to stay quiet. Someone may be talking at me and I may be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what I'm really doing is sending out my senses and asking the question, what do you know, Gwenny? What do you know? What do you know merely by looking? What do you know? That is a pristine moment. It's a 180 rather than a 360, although if you're moving into the plant, you can do easily do a 360. And then I kind of, I measure. How long will it take before I know something about this plant without any words, without any talking, something that's embedded? And I go five feet and I note inside. This is all internal. I go another five feet. Somebody's bringing me towards a cell. I go another five feet. I go another five feet. And in most plants, quite frankly, I am toe-to-toe with a machine or a bench or a metrics board before there is anything revealed. And I note that. I am not surprised about that, but I do note it. I note it. And I realize things about the plant, that they are running themselves on the basis of the lack of information rather than the presence of information, and I begin then to move kind of into a phase two. 
My job is to see what is there, but my other big job is to see what is not there, what is missing, either by intention or neglect or by simple not knowing, by the absence of visuality. And things get very, very interesting. So, this is not necessarily what my host wants me to do now that I'm on site. For example, my host may have decided that I didn't really mean it when I said I only want one person, maybe two, to accompany me. He or she may have decided that I really meant ten people or saw it as an opportunity for ten people to listen in and see what I see. And if that happens, and it often, often happens without warning, I know what to do. (laughs) I know they want me to teach and not just to assess. And that's okay. I leap at every opportunity to teach. Just ask my friends. They can beat me down. Oh, Gwendolyn, be goofy for a while. We don't want to hear what smart thing you're thinking about now. (laughs) I love teaching. So there I am sometimes with 6, 7, 10, 15 people. This happened to me not more than two months ago. I know I'm going to get my assessment done, but I have to keep the troops busy first. So I'm going to give them an assignment. And I think that this assignment will be very interesting for you because I will still advance their cause, but I will free myself up. I still have to do what I came to do, but I'm going to ask them to make an assessment of their own. I want them to enter the thinking. Okay, so that's great. So if the client has 10 or 15 or 6 people who want to learn how to see what I see, and I don't know about it in advance, then there they are. I gather them together, meet with the group, and I say to them that they're not going to be able to learn to see what I see in 45 minutes, but they can begin to follow a kind of process That will enable them to begin to refine their eyesight. This is whether or not they're visitors or local plant residents. You know, sometimes that happens. We are at a corporate-wide event, and there are lots of improvement leaders that gather. So I give them a few rules. They're very simple. I'm going to walk through them now. Number one, they must travel in groups not larger than three people. They can go in twosies and they can go in onesies, but they can't be in groups larger than three. That's number one. Number two, they must have a pocket-sized memo pad and a pen or pencil. And I carry these around. They're like they line the bottom of my suitcase. I always have my memo pads with me. Number three, so they have a memo pad and they're in small groups, very small groups. Number three... They will have a local guide if there is somebody, if this is a mixed group of visitors and local people. But whether they have the guide or not, they are not allowed to ask any questions for the first four minutes of each stop. So they're going to be taken around to the various cells of this is a plant, to the tooling center, to incoming, to shipping, and at each of those stops, as they get to know the plant, they're not allowed to ask. To, they're not allowed to speak for four minutes. Don't speak. Don't speak. Remember that bullets over Broadway. 
<laughs> it's a great line in there. In a different context, if you do remember the movie, don't speak. They can, after those four minutes, ask questions of their guides or of, or of each other. They can also stop every 10 minutes or so and powwow, but sparingly, because I want them to kick into a different set of knowings. I want them to use their senses. I want them to achieve that kind of silence that allows their mind to be active and dynamic. And what what I also mean by that is I don't want to give them competing focuses. We know in brain function that the the mind is happiest, the brain is happiest when it is focused on one thing. This idea of multitasking is a complete myth. We can't multitask. The brain can do only one thing at a time, but some of us have gained a facility in switching very rapidly. So it's just one thing to look, to look, to apprehend, to comprehend, to absorb, to speculate, to just be in the brain function, just the brain function. So we're going to, uh, let's go into our break right now so that when I, I can come back, I'll give you step four, which is a set of questions that they use as a guide. And it really is my set of questions. It's what I use. So uh, let's go into our break and come back in just a minute. I'll be here and I'll be happy. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. 
If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace. We are in our show, The Confessions of a Visual Sight Assessor. Sounds like something really <laughs> dark and forbidding, but it's about the work that I do when I'm asked to assess a plant, and I'm sharing that process now. I'm telling people, uh, I'm telling you what I do if there's a group that's accompanying me. They they will be uninvited for the most part, but they're still there and they want to learn. They're eager, and I know that there are some things that I can do to advance their thinking. So I take them through these six steps. We were going through them just before the break. Number one, the group is going to be small, not larger than three people, but it can be a single person. Every person has a little memo pad with a pen or a pencil. That's number two. Number three, you can't ask questions for four minutes at each for each stop. You get four minutes of complete silence. Okay. Number four, step number four is use the following set of questions as a guide, kind of a mantra. This is what I do. I say, what am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? And here I'm not talking about what information am I gathering about how to perform better. More often than not, it is what I am seeing is nothing. There's nothing there. There is a bench and it is empty of information. There's an LCD display and it's telling me something, but what is its relevance? What does that mean? There's a pile of whip, two piles of whip. There's a hospital chart. There's an empty bed, a nursing station, an elevator, a hallway. What am I seeing? What does it mean? So we train in that. What am I seeing? What does it mean? We do this continuously, continually, repeatedly. And after X amount of time, you know what happens? Your brain kicks in and it begins to find responses. They're not exactly answers, but they are responses, impressions. A deeper level of knowing will begin to be available to the assessor. So number four, we want you to Work those questions. What am I seeing? What does it mean? And the flip side of that is, what am I not seeing? What does that mean? It's all in step four. What am I not seeing? What does that mean? Number five is more of, so those are the first four steps. Number five is more of a rule, and that is, no one needs to agree with you. This process is not a process of consensus. It's all individual impressions. You're using your individual, what is sometimes called instrument, your own sensory context to understand the world around you. You are seeing with your own eyes and you are drawing out of the environment, pulling out of the environment your own responses. So the sixth step is to answer this. Based on what I see and what I think it means and what I don't see and what I think it means, 
what steps do I recommend that this plant undertake in order to address, for example, its market challenge, its competitive threat through visuality? How can visual help? And it's not that visuality is the only response, because it isn't the only response to a challenge, but because visuality can help so widely and it is really underutilized and under-understood. When I assess, so those are the six steps. I give them to people. When you get good, of th- good at this, you'll be like me. When I assess, I'm like a panther on the prowl, a hungry panther. And while I work very hard to stay charming and approachable, <laughs> I'm almost always churning inside. Remember our discussion about barracuda leadership? Well, that's me. I'm really hungry on the inside. Either I am seeing a huge unmined opportunity, in my opinion, or a grand and gigantic disconnect. And that means, in my language, the plant is lying to itself. Very, very treacherous ground there. A plant that is lying to itself thinks it's really, really good. And you have to find a way to bring it really quite gently and diplomatically into seeing that it really isn't that good. That they're missing whole big swaths of of um, competencies. Sometimes I don't see anything. Sometimes I don't see anything in this. I say to myself, I must. I must see what is going on in this plant. And sometimes it's hard. I must penetrate the veil of normal that the facility currently represents. I must get behind the tribal veil because things are at that normal when I enter. I am seeing the plant. I've asked them not to prepare no special anything. Let me just see you as you are. There's no parades or marching bands or bombs exploding. Things are normal. Everything is in its happy state of inertia whatever that inertia is, and I have to crack the code, and I'm aware of that. And all the time I'm walking about being somewhat sociable, I'm thinking, how can I help this plant? Where is the toehold? What is the turning point? So I'm going to tell you more about what else I look for. But, you know, this was one of the great revelations when Lean came along. I'm talking about the way it was in the 1980s when it was called JIT, when continuous improvement entered the scene, when time and its corollary speed and quality surfaced as advanced organizers. A set of handles were provided by which one could see and assess and could know and know more. People had a set of criteria to guide them where before there was nothing, where before there was nothing, only sales and cost, profit or cost. But when JIT Lean came along, we had signposts by which one could walk across a site and know something that they were not told. But they could nevertheless devise, they could see, they could ascertain. Something was revealed, revealed through the piles of whip, the tall shelves, the material movement, patients waiting, on-time delivery, complaints from customers, empty beds, packed waiting rooms. Gemba revealed its secrets. That's the way it It is and it was with lean. 
even more so nowadays when we have listed and auditized everything. People are very, very smart. We are very, very smart. We have codified and verified and listed out everything. Endless. Hmm? Very satisfying. But with visuality, it's a little different. It's a little different because there's a, a lot of difference when you assess the absence of the absence of information in an embedded form. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the presence of information in an embedded form or the attempts to get information that are half complete, that there is a reaching for connectivity. There is a reaching for alignment, and I'll see that as I walk about. In the presence of far too many words, too many meetings, too many minutes, one of my favorite things to do is to go to the production meeting and I just gnaw on my arm because it is such a sodden waste of human time and human, human belief, human hope. And yet it's very important for me to be there because I see people going to that meeting day after day after day to learn some tiny data point, a datum, and to, to spend 30 minutes there. It is the beginning but it is not the completion of what is possible. So in a way, if you've made great strides in lean, you are unlikely to be able to see what is and isn't there visually. It's just the way it is. You cannot really use your lean knowledge as a building block. I mean, you can make gains by using visuality to support your lean outcomes. Yes, that reversion is possible. But if you do, you may never reap Visual's unique and fantastically powerful contribution. Still, using Visual as an enabler of Lean will move you along the way. You're likely, and you're likely to be happy, even satisfied with your progress. There's no blame there. There is simply the lack of seeing, the lack of knowing the difference that robust visuality can provide. And only robust visuality can provide. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that impact. So if I'm joined by 5, 10, or 15 improvement leaders who weren't supposed to be on my agenda anyway, I send them off to do those six things that I talked about. And if they're lean-infused, then I get pretty strict about saying the following. By the way, this is not a tour to examine the assets of the company this is a walkabout to see what is not there. And the only way to find that which is not there is to repeat, what am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I not seeing? What does it mean? And that leaves me free to walk about with my one or two people. Usually the boss is with me. Yeah, and he wants to show me the latest asset. I, the lover of all machines. So we'll pick this up after the break. And I'll bring you into a little bit more of what I do. I think you're getting the message. It's so much fun. This is the almost the most fun I can ever have. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, 
Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn, and you're at the Visual Workplace, and we are in the final segment of my confessions as a visual sight assessor, and we were just talking about the power of this question, what am I seeing, what does it mean, what am I not seeing, what does it mean? So I'm with the site manager, and he or she is showing me either their new $3 million machine or suite of sensors or the new ERP system or their SAP or a fine LCD array or whatever. And I, and, and I love the machines. I was in a textile mill this summer, unbelievable machinery, dazzling, computerized, loop, pile, fabric-making textile machine circular knitting machines, double needle and weft needle looms. Oh, my God. Oh, would that I had had an education in engineering instead of Latin. Oh, God, what fun. So I want to know everything. I want to sit down and dwell and watch and get intoxicated by the machinery, by this expression of human thought and inspiration made manifest. And I do that a little, but mostly I look for the absence of linkages, the absence of embedded language. I look, and I also look for the mind of the operations manager or of the CEO. I need to get into their mind to find out how they think about things and what is their um, approach to tribal knowledge. Are they even aware that it's that that their plant is being run by tribal knowledge? What steps are they taking? 
Now, the particular textile plant that I went to was under a very severe corporate threat. Corporate had forgotten the value of that plant and the expertise that dwelled there and the masterful, excellent workforce aligned and ready. And they were about to abandon it because the people in corporate didn't as yet see. So my job was to help the plant survive in a very real way. I needed to pay attention to that. I'll tell you what I ultimately told them to do, which surprised me, but I think it was their next step. We'll see what happens next. When I do a visual sight assessment, I look for the presence or absence of, in addition to information, improvement infrastructure. I usually find an improvement infrastructure behind the scenes accountability around improvement when the plant is well advanced in lean or TPM, a designated group of improvement leaders. Hmm? The visuality around that is usually very pale, but I look for the infrastructure. If there's an existing infrastructure, we can build on it. If there isn't, then we have to build one from scratch. In many ways, that's easier, but in either way, the importance of the infrastructure cannot be underestimated. And I think it's in February of this year that I, I, I spent three or four shows on that. So... I also look to see what kinds of visuals they have in place. And normally, they talk about visual management. The people in the plan talk about visual management. And even though I'm not going to tell them now, I am going to tell them when we get to the seminar, that visual management in my dictionary is a tiny span in the spectrum of a fully functioning visual workplace. It is for managers to be able to do their job through visuality, the dashboards, the slick LCD screens, right? They're managing the KPIs and the scheduling in that way. And it's important for me to look at that. It's important for me to see how they schedule and what are the boundaries around the scheduling event because most of the time, and these are in every single plant that I was at uh, during the last six months, Scheduling is used simply to schedule, to say what the report says, that this is happening then and uh, this has happened with this kind of a result. It's used in a very superficial, two-dimensional way as just a kind of blow-up of a computer printout. And I look to see if any problems are really surfaced out of that scheduling so people can see what is the behavior before we up, um, what do you call it, um, updated the schedule? What caused some the schedule in the morning to change to a completely different schedule by the afternoon? So I look for that. I look for the level of problem solving. I don't expect visual problem solving, and I often see A3, which is an okay tool. I am not crazy about it. I explained that before. I think that it is locally and narrowly very useful. But I see companies using it much more extensively than I would have ever imagined. I congratulate them on that. If it helps you and you can use it as a system, and some com companies do, I congratulate them on that. I look for their level of 5S. I look to see if they have cookie cutter 5S, labels and lines, and if they're using audits to hold those labels and lines in place. 
So I look for that. I look to see if they have cookie cutter improvement tools or whether or not there's a, a deep understanding, whether or not this plant knows how to learn and also how to wrestle these improvement tools into a form and a shape that will actually serve them. So we're walking around together. I will never, ever recommend giving up your current approach and substituting it, for example, for one of mine. But I will talk about an experiment that would happen running in parallel to that which already exists, and then there can be a slight shift over. So I look for that. And I look very importantly at how metrics are used. The KPIs. Are they monthly, weekly, daily, shift by shift? Are the charts up to date? This is easy, easy assessment level. Is there any way to know if the charts are up to date? Is there anyone to, any way to know who owns the chart? If I see that there's ownership and there's a small line on the upper left or bottom left or bottom right of the, of the metrics that says updated um, daily or weekly Thursday by 9 o'clock, I'm thinking, wow, this plant has tremendous, has made tremendous strides forward. This is going to be easy peasy. But I'll ask my escorts, tell me about these metric boards. Tell me how you use them. Who maintains them? How do people respond to the data you post? How are the data points doing anyway? Are they moving in a promising direction? How would I know? I was in a massive biomedical facility not too long ago. And my escort, when I was talking, we were up at the metrics board. He was shaking his head. He said, you know, this is so beautiful. He had these tall rotating silos with metrics on two sides and a, a, a red, green, and yellow light signal, kind of mechanical, not a light, but a, a card, a kind of mechanical and on, so you could tell at a glance how that area was doing. But he was discouraged. He said, no one is using these measures. Nobody looks at them. He makes them look at them, but the performance, you know what, the performance is getting better, but it's not because of the metrics. It's just getting better. He was very discouraged. So I took the opportunity to tell him, about the difference between metrics that monitor and metrics that drive. And he grasped the concept easily. And I could tell he wanted to believe it was true. But it would be so easy with this gentleman and with this group to shift them over into that experiment. So easy because they had gotten so much in place. And even though it didn't work, they wanted things to work. And they were looking at the right parameter. People aren't using the data to let themselves know that even though they tried, they were failing. One of the things that I do and I must do is I must see the template of change. I must see the possibility in the plant that is both in its improvement culture and in its dark and hidden recesses. I must be able to see that. And I must be able to say to myself before I meet, I can see what this plant will look like when it becomes visual. I have to see that as a vision in my head. I have to see that the plant doesn't know how to drive improvement, doesn't have an horizon, a horizon. And I must be able to see that such a system is possible. I look for evidence of a system, first a production system, 
and then an improvement system, and then a system of visuality. I look for these systems, and sometimes I can see them, but if I don't see them, I must then make the jump and see them in my mind's eye. See them in my mind's eye. That's, that's why they asked me to come in. Would visuality help? In what way? And I have to see it through the categories of visual function. I have to see that these systems are all willing candidates for visuality. Imagine a production system you can see. I have to imagine it. Not one that is hidden. Not one that just is uh, visible, but one that is sufficiently visible that you can drive it. And an improvement system that isn't held together by endless lists and punch lists and hit lists and newspaper, everything that we haven't done yet, but actually that has a horizon and a shape and a valence and a pacing and can be driven. I have to be able to see this. So I only have a minute left and I want to tell you what we did with the plant that was under corporate threat was we put our resources into the entranceway. Both the front entranceway where visitors arrived and the back entranceway where employees arrived. That was my recommendation. I said, of all the things you can do, the most important thing for you to do right now is to reclaim your identity as a really great plant. And even though there's a ton of work to do with visuality on your production floor, let's make it a proud event for people to come onto your site. They were very surprised, and that's your employees as well, because that was cosmetic only, as they said. But, oh, boy, the cosmetic piece was the piece that, in my assessment, needed to be done first. It was a very interesting visit and, from that point of view, unique, my conclusion. But it rang true. I hope that plant makes it. I love those people in that plant and the work that they're doing. I had a great time today. I hope that this has helped you understand what I look for when I do a visual assessment. I hope that you've learned enough for you to be able to go into your plant and say, what do I see? What do I don't see? What do I don't see? (laughs) And what does it mean? I had a great time talking with you today. I look forward to the next time. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.